So last week we started a new series called Man of Mystery. Uh, we are looking at uh, stories from the early parts of Jesus's ministry and, and how he keeps a lot of his identity and who he is and what he's about in, in, in a bit of a disguise, right? Some of our favorite stories, some of our favorite movies are, are stories that have these developing characters, that there's this mysterious character that you, you find out more and more, and as more is revealed about this character, it continues to pull you through the story, right? If we knew everything about somebody at the very beginning, then, then the, the suspense isn't there. Uh, but as we find out more about them and their, their backstory and who they are and, and what their mission is, we, we get, in, get to see more and more and draw, are drawn into the story. And so Jesus begins his public ministry, and, and we're reading the story knowing the end of the story. But if you were to start the story at the beginning without any of that knowledge, if you were just reading it fresh, you would see that Jesus is really quite this mysterious figure. That we get bits and pieces of who he is building up over time, little, little snippets of who he is that kind of draws us in and gets our attention, right? So last week, uh, we talked about John the Baptist, and we talked about uh, Jesus being identified as the Son of God. And so here's this stranger who comes from Nazareth. He is unassuming. He's a nobody. He's from out in the middle of nowhere. He's, he's out from the hills, and he shows up, and then God says, this is my son. And so now we're pulled into the story. Who is this Jesus? We've been given just a little bit of a piece of it. He's the son of God, but what does that mean? What are the implications of that? What is he up to? What's going to happen as the story progresses? And so we get these bits and pieces, and we, it draws us in to want to explore more. We want to see more about who Jesus is. And for, for many of us, these stories have become so routine that we miss the suspense, and we, we miss the drama, and we miss the excitement of what's happening in these stories. And so can we look at these with, with fresh eyes? Who is this Jesus? God descends on him, and as like a, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and, and God says, this is my son. What does this mean for us? What does it mean that Jesus is the son of God? And so these stories continue to Progress. And so we're going to explore different stories each Sunday, but right for today we're going to be in John chapter 1, if you want to be turning there. We're, we're going to explore more of, of Jesus' mysterious identity and, and what we discover about who he is and what he's about and discover more about ourselves and what we're about and what we're called to. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree 
before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So the mystery continues to unfold. We get bits of pieces as the story continues to develop. Last week, we're introduced to John the Baptist and then to Jesus, this this character who comes from nowhere and then is identified as the Son of God. And we're left to wonder what that means. And now Jesus moves to Galilee, a 100 miles north. On the, the north shores of Galilee, there were, were a number of small fishing villages. And so they go into this region where there are all these fishing villages. Um, Bethsaida is one of these. And so they go into this place, and, and Peter and Andrew are from Bethsaida. But they had moved from there. And now today we encounter two more characters. We have Philip and we have this character, Nathaniel. Here are these two who are both from Bethsaida. Maybe they knew each other. Maybe they had some sort of association with one another because of this small town environment. Maybe word about Jesus had gotten out and they had heard about Jesus and, and there was some reputa- reputation that, that he now had. Or maybe they're just hearing this for the first time. They certainly didn't have Facebook to inform them, right? Word might have gotten out a little bit slower than today. But what we do know is that that Jesus caused people to, to follow him with very little evidence. Books had not been written. Film strips had not been created. Presentations had not been given. There was really very little evidence, but yet people were convinced to follow him. And so Nathaniel hears about Jesus and hears about him fulfilling these messianic prophecies and predictions. But he has this curious response, right? Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, what's Nathaniel's deal here? What is this rivalry that he has with Nazareth to to belittle it in such a way? Nazareth is just this tiny little village out in the hills, out in the mountains. So can anything really good come from there? So this is the question that Nathaniel presents. There's this cynicism in him, right? Can this really be... The Messiah, somebody coming from this place, but he hasn't met Jesus yet. He hasn't encountered Jesus yet. And that's where everything changes. Philip continues to pursue Nathaniel, saying, hey, I found him. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come from there? But then he continues. He says, come and see. Come and see who he is. Like Philip knows that if, if he can just get his friend Nathaniel to show up and just see Jesus, to just be in his presence, then he will be convinced that this is actually true. If I can just get him to, to show up and see him, come and see, please come and see who this is. Nathaniel's the skeptic. But when Jesus sees Nathaniel, 
and says that he saw him under the fig tree. Now Nathanael is convinced. This encounter with Jesus, this experience with Jesus, totally changes his outlook, totally changes his perspective on what it is that he sees. Nathanael's experienced a miracle here. That Jesus has called out what he was doing and where he was at. And now he believes that Jesus is more than just this random guy from Nazareth. He's come and see and seen who he is. And now he makes this incredible confession, testimony of who Jesus is. He says he is the rabbi. He is the son of God. He is the king of Israel. Just these phrases, these titles give identity to who Jesus is. We continue to pick up more about who he is. And in this time, it's coming from the words of Nathaniel. Nathaniel says he is rabbi. He's this respected Jewish teacher. He is the son of God, which is recognizing his divinity and deity. It is, he is the king of Israel, confessing that he is the Messiah. And so together, these three names come, come and, and give this portrait of who Jesus is. This portrait of who John was predicting and pointing to Jesus being. But more than Jesus' identity being revealed, or more of Jesus' identity is revealed through Nathaniel's testimony. He's calling out who Jesus is and speaking who Jesus is. There's a lot of psychology that goes into magic tricks, right? So a magic trick is basically, can I get them to think about something else and be distracted by something over here while something is happening over here, and then you go to this, and now you've been tricked, right? So a simple disappearing coin makes it look like one coin is disappearing, but in fact, it's just been there all along. If, if, if a magician can get you to assume and be distracted by what's happening, then they can go through this magic trick and you're stumped because they had you paying attention to the wrong thing. They had you distracted over here when they're doing something over here. And this is the psychology of, of a good magician, right? I was wanting to demonstrate something, but I have no skills with this at all. So I will just talk about what I do not know. But this, this idea of if I can keep them distracted, if I can make them assume that they already know the answer, then even better. Because if you assume that you've got it all figured out, and then there's this grand reveal and you didn't have it figured out, that's where the entertainment of magic really happens, right? And you're like, oh, I, I, I was sure it was this, but it was this. Distractions, assumptions, keep us from seeing the real thing. Keep us from identifying what's really happening. Keeps us from coming and seeing the real Christ. Once we have a solution in mind, something like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Once we have this assumption in place, once we're distracted by the noise and the clutter, then our decision is made. 
and we're no longer open to seeing the reality of what's happening. Nathaniel was being presented with Jesus, but Nathaniel was a skeptic. He was distracted by Nazareth. He had assumptions about Nazareth. He had assumptions about who the Messiah was and what the Messiah was going to be about and what the Messiah was going to look like. And when he was in the presence of the Messiah, he discounted the Messiah. And so it seems, it seems natural that people were disillusioned with who Jesus was. He wasn't what they were expected, expecting. He was this mysterious figure. Jesus was like anything else they had ever encountered. But, but like a good illusionist, Jesus is not forthcoming with the evidence about who he is. Jesus is kind of hiding something here. Not because he's trying to be deceptive like a magician, but he's, he's trying to, to draw us in. Maybe it's Jesus' way of shaking us up a bit. Just come and see. Just come and see. Set aside your assumptions. Come and see. Set aside your distractions. Come and see. It's an invitation to all of us to come and see Jesus. Through the distractions. Through the assumptions. Come and see without the distractions of our obsessive media consumption. Or without the distractions of Facebook. Or without distractions of career building or education. Whatever it is that distracts us. On the TV, on the phone, in our homes, in our cars, on vacation. What is it, what is it that is distracting us? He says, come and see without those distractions. Come and see without those assumptions. Oh, do we make assumptions about Jesus? Do we make assumptions about who he is? We have lots of assumptions that, that give us biases about our perspectives about the world around us, right? So we have certain political ideologies, assumptions that give us a certain view of the world. We have a certain assumptions about being American about being white, about being Hispanic, about being New Mexican. We've, we've, we've talked about the different things that, that cause us to have assumptions, right? Like, I am not objective in my view of the world. None of us are objective in our view of the world. Where we come from, who we interact with, what we read and what we watch, those are all creating assumptions for us. And Jesus says, come and see without the assumptions, without those things, come and see who Jesus is. So will we come and see? When we look at Jesus, he is this, this man of mystery, and we think we know him. And then we start digging a little deeper and spending more time with him and realizing maybe we don't know him as well. And we dig in and we find out more about him and get to know him more and spend more time with him and continue to spend more time with him. For those of you who have been married more than like a week, um, 
know that there is this buildup of a relationship, right, where you think you know everything about that person, right? And then week one, oh, maybe not as much. And year 10, maybe not as much. And year 25, man, who is this person, right? Like you're, you're discovering things about them new and fresh, some good, some bad. And then, of course, we change, right? Like who I am today is not the same, is not the same person that Laura married, right? I have changed. She has changed. Our lives have changed. Our situations have changed. Our environments have changed, right? And so over time, we get to know someone more and more in different ways. We thought we really knew them, but now we're starting to question that. And then you really get to know them, right? You really find out how they roll the toilet paper. You find out more. And so we spend a lifetime coming to see Jesus. A lifetime getting to know him, experiencing him. We have to spend time with him. We spend time with him, removed of the distractions, removed of the assumptions, and just spend time with him, which is going to take an incredible amount of intentionality. Incredible amount of discipline. You know, in our social media world, we think about having thousands of friends, right? Like, how many Facebook friends can you have? You can have hundreds. You have a thousand Facebook friends. How many of you are, how many of those Facebook friends are you like really invested deeply in that relationship, right? Like, you really know what's going on beyond just the occasional post. No, we don't have those kinds of relationships with that many people. There are a few people that we really get in and get to know. But that social media concept has created this environment where to follow somebody means to just look at their social media posts every once in a while. And some of us follow Jesus that way, where we just kind of check in on his social media posts on Sunday. Like, what's up today, Jesus? Is that the kind of relationship that will really come and see who Jesus is? Or will it be more intentional than that? More regular than that? Deeper than that? That we really spend time with him? That in our busy lives, we are, are, are making time to be intentional about our relationship with Jesus? Because the noise of the distractions and the noise of the assumptions takes a lot of time to dig through. And if we're not spending much time, if this is a Sunday-only thing, you're not going to get past the layers of distraction and assumptions to see who he really is. It takes time to pull away all that junk that I thought I knew takes time to work through those assumptions that I've inherited from a religious tradition or assumptions that are, are deep wired in me about how church should work and how faith should work. It takes time to dig through that as I come to see Jesus. But then what I love about this story about Philip and Nathaniel is 
that after he says, come and see Jesus, there, there is this, there's this sense of urgency, not only for Philip, but also for, for Andrew in the previous verses. There's this sense of urgency to do something with what they've found. That when you come and see Jesus, you experience something that has to be shared. Right? When you've experienced something that's exciting, you've seen a good movie, and you want to tell somebody about that good movie that you've seen. Or maybe you have a new grandchild. New grandchild has been born, and you don't want to brag about that at all, right? You don't have pictures on your phone that you want to show off. You've discovered some new thing some new activity, some new relationship, something has happened in your life and it's, it's exciting for you and you, you want to share that and you want to tell other people about that. Not because you're trying to convince them of something, but just because it's good for you. And so when we come and see Jesus, we spend time with him and we discover new, something new about him, are we sharing that with others? Are we telling others? Not, not as some sort of door-knocking evangelistic campaign, but, but even just for, with one another. Like when we come into this space and, and we're greeting each other long into the service in the lobby and, um, and we're, we're talking to one another and we're sharing life with one another and we're visiting with one another and we're, we're getting into life groups and we're, we're going to lunch and we're, we're doing these different things. Is there anything in our conversation about what we've discovered new when we came and saw Jesus? I've seen that new thing. This new discovery. I've, I've been reading this in the Gospels, and, and something has just hit me. Can you believe Jesus said that? I don't remember reading that before. I don't remember seeing that before. When you come and see Jesus, and you see Jesus new and fresh, you can't help but tell others about the excitement of that, about the discovery of that. And, and just like Philip, he, he goes to Nathaniel and he, he talks about, I've, I found him. I've seen Jesus. And Nathaniel's not buying it. He says, come and see. And he brings him to Jesus. He says, you've got to experience this. You've got to see this. You've got to encounter this. And so they bring them back to Jesus. We spend time with Jesus. We tell others about Jesus. We, we bring them to Jesus. Sometimes we just think about inviting somebody to see Jesus as just inviting them to a church service or inviting them to an Easter gathering or inviting them to, to Christmas Eve or, or some, some church event. That's how you invite them to Jesus. But are there other ways that we can invite people to Jesus? That through our prayers and through our hospitality and through our, our acts of service and our love and compassion for others, do people see Jesus in that? Can people experience Christ through what they see in our lives? We bring Jesus to others and bring others to Jesus. But what I love about this story most is that Jesus already saw Nathaniel. 
that even before Nathaniel comes to see Jesus, he's already been seen. We've already been seen. God already sees us. And so when, when Nathaniel goes to see Jesus, there's this profound moment where Jesus says, I've already seen you. Thanks for finally showing up. That God is, God is waiting for us. He's present even when we're not aware. He sees us and, and knows us and is, is longing to be in relationship with us. He's longing for us to show up and come and see. I love the, the Max Lucado children's book, um, You Are Special. And it's this, this story of, of these wooden, wooden characters that are, are created by this woodcarver. And they don't treat each other well. They judge one another. And there's this one that, that is just so beat down by this and so discouraged by this. And someone finally says, you need to go see your maker. Go see the woodworker. And he, he walks in in this state of discouragement and begins apologizing for, for not coming sooner and apologizing for all of his mistakes and apologizing for all of the things in his life that have gone wrong. And his maker, this woodcarver, calls him by name. He says, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to come. The woodworker already knew him. He hasn't made him. And our maker waits for us. Just waiting for us to come and sit on a stool in his presence to come and see. Just come and see. Jesus said to Nathaniel, you will see greater things than these. This was just the start for Nathaniel. And we have just started in our discovery of who Jesus is. Wherever you are in your journey, there's so much more to discover. About who he is. And so we come and we see. We look past the distractions, look past the assumptions, set those aside, come and see. Let's stand. We're going to enter into a time of communion. And this is, this is a time of togetherness. Communion is a community of people coming together. We're doing this together. This is not an individual exercise. This is a community exercise, a community activity, where we have tables prepared with, with bread and juice that helps us come and see Jesus, come and see his death, 
Come and see his resurrection. Come and see who he is. But it's also a time for us in that discovery of Jesus to bring others to Jesus. And, and I'm not saying we're, we're bringing Jesus in, in a conversion process, but, but we all need more of Jesus today. And so we go to the tables together and we, we bring others with us to come and see Jesus. We bring others with us to experience and encounter Jesus. And so use this time to bring Jesus to others, bring others to Jesus, and spend time at the table. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. God, I thank you for this discovery of who you are. God, we want to know more and more of you. So God, would you reveal your son to us in the breaking of bread at this time? It's in Jesus' name we pray.